Welcome to Sharing the Middle, where we're covering perfectionists, overachievers, and anyone in the middle of a struggle come together to learn to embrace the messy middles of life. I'm Lacey, your friend in the middle and guide whose claim to fame this week is getting this podcast to you all. I know it's been a little uh, sparse around here lately. We're doing some really cool things over at No Shame in the Home Game and the new To Come Joyful Support Movement. If you're a new listener or an old one, I've got illness and children and your girl's doing her best, doing her best. I am really excited to share today's episode with you. I found Rebecca Stewart on TikTok last year. Her chill mobility has really helped me think about my body and moving it in ways of what it needs, not necessarily what other people tell me to do. (laughs) I kind of instantly fell in love with Rebecca and she's kind of one of those souls for me that I'm just so drawn to. And you'll, you know, hear that in this episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. We're coming up on the year anniversary of Sharing the Middle. And we've got some changes coming and all those things. So I just wanted to again say thanks for being here. I love sharing the middle with you. And let's jump right in. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today, Rebecca. I have been a fan of yours on TikTok for a long time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot my shot and see if she'd be willing to chat with me because I love the Chill Mobility series. That's what kind of pulled me into your account. But I also just love your kind of philosophy about uh, fitness, which can be really intimidating for a lot of people. And with all this like diet culture, and it's a really scary space. And I find you to be a very comfortable spot in that very scary space. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you. That is like the biggest compliment I could ever receive. Like, it makes me honestly tear up whenever I get a comment that like someone feels like I'm a safe space Mm -hmm. because that's all I want to bring to the fitness world. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being that because, you know, you've got your post about drink water and I'm like, oh yeah, have I drank water? I'm usually pretty good. We have a very (laughs) hydration uh oriented household both of my children are the most hydrated children you'll yeah. ever meet my husband we, like, we all have giant water bottles Amazing. but every once in a while i'm like wait i haven't drank out of my water today thank you <laughs> yeah if you're listening right now make sure you take a sip of water take a sip. you know what i'm gonna take a sip right now i've got my water right here <laughs> me too let's do it <laughs> but why don't you introduce yourself in your own words for the listeners i always struggle with this yeah. i never know what's going to come out but I am a fitness coach, ability and strength specialist, and I came into the fitness world in the like height of diet culture. My goal is to just create an inclusive and accessible and supportive space for people to be in fitness because so much of the fitness world that a lot of us grew up in is not that or was not that. And I think we're still trying to shift the mindset that exercise can look like a lot of different things and it doesn't have to be like an all out go hard or go home type of workout. Even moving your body for just a little bit can make a big difference. So that's kind of what what I do in this space to just try and make the fitness world a little better. And I believe you are. So way to go. <laughs> Thank you. I have a silly kind of question. I know yeah. what mobility is, but would you be able to define that? Sure. Yeah. So mobility is 
working through the end range motion or mobility. No, I should take that word out there. Let's start over. <laughs> you can't define a word by using the word. Um, so mobility is using your body through the end range of motion you have in your joints. And mobility work helps us to increase the range of motion that we have. So it's a little bit different from flexibility in which your body is just moving typically a little more passively. Mobility is the active range that you have with your body. Does that, that makes make so much sense. And because that's what I've always been trying to figure out is the difference yeah. between mobility and flexibility because my brain kind of sees them at the same thing. Uh, we'll start with our first question. When you first heard the middle, what mm. was your initial the middle to me really feels like that space between where you have been and where you want to be. I was a, an athlete growing up, and so I've always been the person that's like setting goals and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But I have found too, because I have multiple chronic illnesses too, I know mm -hmm. that you understand that I world. Um, sometimes the middle can be not being able to see what the end is. You know, I feel like sometimes with chronic illness, we just live in the middle. We do. That is life. Which is part of the reason why I started this thing is because I was like, oh, this there is no cure for what I'm going through. I just have to figure this out and figure out what life looks like yeah. here. There's no finish line or magical drug or treatment, that kind of thing. We can jump right into mm -hmm. your, your middle moment we were talking going to talk through. I feel like mine's a little bit twofold, but this most recent chronic illness journey, I'll say, because I've been through a lot of them at this point, I think like four or five of them. I don't even know. It is like a collector's <laughs> be edition. I have like before my life changing one, I guess I like I'm like, yeah, I got a couple of those. So I get it. Yeah. 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 So anyone that's been in that like chronic illness diagnosis stage. Some of them are very cut and dry, but some of them are not at all. Mm -hmm. And that was my most recent experience. I started having these symptoms um, as early as like December 2020. And it was really impacting my life and my ability to do my job and the way that I was able to move my body, which is huge when I'm like in the fitness yeah. world and my body is my job. Sure. So I was having all these wild symptoms. It took me, um, ended up taking me five doctors to get some form of a diagnosis, but I still, that was just back in, in July, early August. So I still feel like I'm in the middle because it's not really an official diagnosis. This medication seems to be helping. So we'll continue to write it up and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I do know. <laughs> I do know. I from my own experience, it's interesting to hear you say, well, I have kind of a diagnosis, which is relatable for me. But this idea that like a diagnosis feels like it's an achieve, like a goal you're trying to achieve. And even when you get mm -hmm. it, you're like, wait, maybe it's not an end point. And it's really yeah. hard and confusing to be able to even define anything, even when you get a definition of what's going on. Yes, it almost feels like a diagnosis in the chronic illness world is like the new beginning of the middle mm -hmm. because now you're just like starting over your life with this new context, yeah. but it never really is going to end for the most part. I also find you know? diagnosis is about other people, not about you. 
It's about being able to tell their yeah. people what's going on. It's about being able to tell doctors, insurance companies, all that stuff, what's going on. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change what you're going through in a lot of cases because most chronic illnesses right. I've found don't have that clear-cut answer. There aren't like, oh, we treated doing this and this. It's like, let's throw all these different things at it and see what happens. Right. It's one of those things that you're like, I have felt, maybe I should say, I feel that I've been like reaching for, but the more that I get closer to one, I'm like, oh, this is for everybody else. Yeah, that's so real. <laughs> I was talking, I just started working with a therapist shortly after I got this like pseudo diagnosis. And she was talking to me and she was like, so how does it feel? Because she's amazing. She's actually previously a nurse that uh, worked in complex medical cases. So I feel really blessed yeah. to have found her. I feel like she's the perfect fit for me. But she was like, so how does it feel? And I was like, it because, and maybe this is because I have been through so many diagnoses at this point. I was just like, oh, it just feels like another day. Mm -hmm. you know? Like now I just keep moving forward and hopefully we have more information hopefully things are going to start feeling better at the end of the day there's nothing i can do to change the fact that i have it i also wonder and we don't have to talk about this if you don't do but i know that you have type 1 diabetes which mm -hmm. makes everything way more complicated and i just i'm curious uh. if that prevented you from getting diagnoses because everyone wanted to attribute everything to that that's a good question. Yeah, I think more so, not as much the diabetes, mm -hmm. but I do also have PCOS. Oh, great. Woo -woo. And I found... Yeah. <laughs> That's right. one of mine too. I'm like, yeah, I got that one. Checkmark. <laughs> yeah. Check like, yeah, I got that one. Checkmark. <laughs> because one of my major symptoms with this most recent diagnosis was I gained 85 pounds in about a year and a half. Holy moly. Um, and yeah, talk about a huge change. And a lot of doctors just wanted to attribute it to that because they were like, you know, that happens with PCOS. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but like, I just had this gut instinct that something else was going on. As a person with PCOS, yeah. it happens, but it doesn't usually happen mm -hmm. if you know you have PCOS and you're managing it. Right. And so that right. has always had always been a marker for me as well. Like, hey, Something else is going on here because I'm doing the same stuff mm -hmm. I was before. I'm taking all the medicines you guys want me to take. Right. And it's still happening. So at some point, we have to recognize yes. I don't have control over that, which you, I, I could get on a soapbox about PCOS and how unsupportive so many doctors are because they don't understand. And it's probably because it's very poorly defined. I don't know. It's fine. But yeah, yeah. And everyone's trying their best. And because PCOS itself is such a bucket of symptoms. So for me, when mm -hmm. I was, so I've, I'm a list mine. You don't have, but so I have um, Hashimoto's. Yeah, I totally so I have Hashimoto's, so I have, uh, which is a thyroid <laughs> issue. So I take thyroid medicine every day. I have my PCOS mm -hmm. and I have anxiety. And so when I started to not mm -hmm. feel right, I was constantly attributing it to those things not as much the Hashimoto's because I'm like no I got this we, I have a deficient like the logic of my hormones aren't changing that much you know what I mean? I'm still taking my medicine every day it shouldn't have this yeah. but PCOS and anxiety I, they're real easy to attribute everything to and it took me a yes. while to even recognize that what was going on with me was so different because of those things and so I'm always just curious yeah. about 
others experience with that. You know, because when you have one chronic illness, you are more likely to have another chronic illness. Um, same with like autoimmune right. diseases. If you have one autoimmune disease, you're more likely to have another one. Yet it still feels like an uphill mm-hmm. battle <laughs> to get people to take totally. you seriously yeah. about them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that because obviously the type 1 diabetes, that was my first diagnosis back in 2007. Um, And then I was like riding the coattails, didn't have any other issues until uh, 2020. I was diagnosed with both PCOS and ADHD. Um, And so I had started on some ADHD medication just to see if I was having big problems with memory and concentration and like gaps in my memory, not being able to like remember things that had happened in the past. And first of all, I had told multiple doctors that and it just, like, seemed to go over their head. And I was like, that seems like something that we should talk about. <laughs> Big deal, right? <laughs> but so I tried ADHD medication and, and nothing really seems to help, mm-hmm. which was another indication to me that something is going on more so than just like what I'm currently already dealing with. Absolutely. And trusting and learning your own body is one of the hardest things that, and I, going back to, I blame diet culture for, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say I blame diet, but I, so I've always been big. So my entire life, I was always the tallest Mm -hmm. girl in the room. I was always big. I'm big boned. I could lose a hundred pounds and still be big. It could never, that's never going to change for me. And so my whole life, I have been fighting my body to not be big. And I've never trusted my body because of that diet culture, because seventh, eighth grade, I'm trying diet. So I just, I, it's been radical really for me the past year. Uh, Oh, I can actually trust that my body's telling me something. And I imagine for you mm-hmm. to go through such a big change in something that's your job, like your physical job, had to have been really tough. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear more about that kind of part of this middle. Yeah. I So I have aligned myself with more with body neutrality, mm-hmm. which is just accepting your body the way that it is. And I don't think that you have to love your body. I think that's a really hard step for a lot of people. Just being able to appreciate everything that your body does for you and the fact that, in in my opinion, weight gain and weight loss are neutral Mm -hmm. and weight maintenance is neutral. So there's nothing bad about either one, but uh, the quickness with which I gained the weight that told me, that flagged my brain, something is wrong. Like people don't just up and gain I was gaining like 15, 30 pounds in a month. Oh my God. That's not normal. No, no, especially if your yeah. job is fitness related. Yeah. So it's not like you're doing <laughs> nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, I was more active than I had been pre COVID because pre COVID, I was working a desk job. I worked at a nonprofit. So I was more active after the pandemic started than I had been before. And I hadn't changed anything about my diet or my eating habits or was more active than not. But I would go to doctors and they'd be like, just try and eat a little bit less. And I'm like, but you never asked me how much I'm eating to begin with. That was a really hard part of, because movement is such a huge part of what I do, like I would have to modify. I'm also, I had not competing right now, but had been a competitive power lifter. 
So I had to modify the way that I was lifting weights because my body had changed so much um, and ended up injuring my back a little bit because of that at one point. And just being able to, I, I was so fatigued with everything that was going on with my health. My joints were in pain all the time. My muscles were in pain all the time. So just trying to like change weights out, back weights for my clients and move through my day and be as active as I needed to be. My body was screaming at me that something was wrong. I also just want to take a minute and say thank you and kudos in your explanation of how the weight gain does not have anything to do with you and your self-image. Like it changed the way you lived your day-to-day life. And I think a lot of times when people are talking about weight gain, they're only thinking about that physical appearance aspect and, you know, other people Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And I think that's something that I've had a hard time figuring out in the body positivity space of like, where, where are those lines? What, how do we talk about our bodies when there is something wrong and the Mm -hmm. weight gain is a problem, but it's not because it's a problem in itself. Did that make sense? Yeah. It's not necessarily just a problem for your appearance, which it can be for some people. And I think it's totally valid too. If people do want to change their appearance, I'm fine with that. But the way that your body moves through space and the way that, you know, you're able to get up and down from the floor or bend over or something can be drastically impacted by what, how your body feels. Sorry. Now my brain is just really going into the physicality of the middle that I haven't really thought about before about that. Yeah. About, sorry, my brain is like literally going in 20 different directions right now. So I apologize for my, my stem. Right yeah. Now. But I, no, let's do it. It is so interesting <laughs> though, that our body is always in a state of middle, right? It's always mm-hmm. in some kind of process doing something. And we are always in the state of middle because you're born your body's always doing something and you die. And so it's just interesting mm-hmm. to think about the body's experience of the middle. I didn't mean to get like yeah. super deep. I promise. No, absolutely. Because it, our bodies are meant to shift and they, they do that sometimes to protect us. Sometimes it's in response to stress that we're going through, or sometimes it's a response to change in lifestyle habits. Sometimes it's just in response to like when people get pregnant, they have to, their body has to shift. If you want to talk about body shifting in one way or the other, that's a huge example of of that. I haven't been through it, but I know you have. I have twice. I would would not recommend it to people. My children are the greatest (laughs) gift I've ever had in my life. I love them more than anything, all of that stuff. But pregnancy was very difficult for me. But I think I also kind of, the more that we talk about, I'm like, as women, I think it is probably a little different for men where they go through (laughs) puberty and then they're just consistent the rest of their lives. Now there's of course (laughs) aging and whatnot, but like women have a cycle every month. They go through puberty and menopause. They have the opportunity potentially Mm -hmm. for pregnancy to change their body. And so it just, I do think that there is something about the physical female body that is in more flux and is more change. And I think that probably traditional medicine has not clued in on that. (laughs) Because there are so many things that it's like, oh, they didn't know this about women's bodies 20 years ago. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, 
I was in high school and we didn't know about this. (laughs) Because women weren't included in research studies until, I don't know the exact date, but it was not that long ago that women started being have to include it in in research studies. Yeah. And I bet in the fitness space, especially, which is very masculine, male dominated, mm -hmm. there's also this element of Mm -hmm. you do this to get this outcome. And women's bodies are just so different in a lot of ways when it comes to went to their chromosomes. And I just want to say, I'm using the term women very loosely here. Yeah. We're talking about chromosomes, which is different than gender. I just want to be very clear. But yeah, it's very, sorry, now my brain was like, oh, and then for those who are trans, they're in a shit. Okay. I'm, I need to calm down. A whole different. I know. Yeah. And so my brain is just really <laughs> going through how this change and this process, especially thinking about this, yeah. where you are and where you're going is inescapable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the body is so complex and a lot of fitness culture, diet culture on the internet. It's hard because we have to like put out content generally that's so quick so people will pay attention to it. But because of that, it turns into all this polarizing thinking. It's either this way or it's this way. And there's so much nuance in the middle that doesn't really get a lot of attention on social media because it's just harder to get that to, quote unquote, go viral or get the views or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the body is so complex and it can't be boiled down to just A or B most of the time. I think that's a really great transition because I also want to know about where you came up with chill mobility and how that became what it is, which I think is really cool. Thank you. So yeah, chill mobility for me was just born out of necessity of getting myself to move again. Going through this chronic illness piece, it's interesting to look back on now that I feel like I'm starting to get to a more positive side in my mental and physical state. Things are changing in a positive way now that I've started on some new medication. Looking back, I was in a terrible mental space and physical space, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like last summer, fall, winter, I was, if we want to get real candid, like questioning whether life was worth it anymore. If I was going to make it to 35 or 40 Mm -hmm. with the way that my body was so rapidly declining Mm -hmm. Um, and my body felt so bad all the time and I as a movement is my job if I couldn't get myself to do my mobility work I was like I need to have some sort of accountability out there that if I can just the very first chill mobility video I put out there I sat down with my coffee and I told myself it, it says in the video I can have an extra cup of coffee this morning if I do my mobility work. And so I just put the camera up, I recorded it, and I did a little voiceover. I wasn't expecting anything out of it. I was just like, if I put these videos out, maybe it'll help one person to learn that five minutes or less of movement can make such a big difference in their life. And I want to chime in. And and it's movement that is so accessible. So for me, as a person with a chronic illness Mm -hmm. who was basically bed bound, it's like, wait, I can, I have the capacity for a minute or two to sit up and like, I would move like from my legs to have better hip mobility. I don't remember which one, but it was just like, oh, I could do that. And for me, Mm -hmm. fitness is still a big question mark because 
if I with chronic fatigue syndrome, that could make me go backwards, but I, it also could help me build it up. And it's a big mm-hmm. old question mark and I'm still trying to figure it out, but knowing, well, I can do this yeah. one thing for my body today of just a few minutes of this mobility and it's different than stretching, which mm-hmm. I actually really like that it's different from stretching because stretching feels very, because I'm not flexible. I'm like the least, one of the least flexible people you'll ever meet. My whole family is, but my body can move. It can move from here. It can move from here to here. And so to be able to do those things that, you know, hopefully I need to be better about it, that it could be something you do for the rest of your life to keep you moving. So I just wanted to pause there and say that it's very accessible when we talk about movement. We're talking about the movement you do every day, that when you do this mobility, it makes your day-to-day life feel better. Because I don't know about you, I'm never like, oh, good stretch. I'm going to be a better person tomorrow. That doesn't usually happen for me. But with the mobility, I could tell the friends right. that my, bus- my muscle and joints are moving different. Yeah. Yeah. What I like to say is that mobility helps you move with more ease and less pain. Mm-hmm. And whether it's you do it in the morning before you start the day so you feel a little bit better or... Um, if you work a desk job or, you know, if you're bed bound or chair bound, sometimes just a little bit of movement can help those like aches and pains and tightness that you feel and shift it out just enough that things feel a little bit better. And that's my goal with True Mobility is just to help people just feel a little bit better because that can make such a huge impact. It really can. It really can. And I think I didn't understand that mm-hmm. until... I couldn't do things. And I think it's sad that a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't necessarily appreciate something until you can't do it. You know, when I'm uh, talking, like I, when I try to help like my mom understand what I'm going through, I'm like, okay, I want you the next time you go to a shower, think about every time you lift your arms up. If that is hard for you to do, can you mm-hmm. see where, man, showers are just take a lot or loading the dishwasher. How many times do you bend down to bend back up when you're doing Mm -hmm. the dishwasher? And it's those little Mm -hmm. things that can be really hard, specifically for me and and what I go through. And so I recognize now, oh, when my body does this, it is something. It's not nothing. And I appreciate it. I have one in-person one-on-one client that I started working with recently. And doing some mobility work and strength training. And they had a pretty severe shoulder injury and in the shower or like putting on deodorant, couldn't reach around to even touch their other side of their armpit. And now since starting doing mobility work and and strengthening that shoulder, they can reach over and do that for the first time in years. And you just think about the impact that has on your life. If you can shift even that much to be able to move Mm -hmm. to a place that you couldn't before, like that has an impact on your daily life. Absolutely. And all the places you can go now. Absolutely. I do usually like to bookend our conversation with a piece of advice because I love a good takeaway or tangible. Mm-hmm. So what piece of advice would you like to maybe either give yourself previously, other people? What would you like to say? Yeah, I think it works in both accounts for the chronic illness and the fitness mobility mm-hmm. space. Just that the one thing that I always had to hold on to in the last year was that there's always hope that things can get better. And sometimes you just need to find one thing to hold on to. used to imagine my future self Mm -hmm. a year ago I would imagine my future self just saying wait for me because things oh my god I'm gonna cry 
wait for me because things are going to get better. And if you can have one thing that you can hold on to, ever that is, whether it's reaching out to a friend or knowing like just moving a little bit every day is going to make you feel a little bit better. Find one thing to hold on to because that can make all the difference. I really love that. I also, um, it's very timely for me because we're almost to what I'm calling like my year anniversary of my, my, it's disability really, where my life drastically changed and I didn't know where I would be a year from then. So to think of like me then to see me now, hey, you're still working through it. Look at all this cool stuff. That's really cool. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's important too to like life is always going to have its ups and downs, but when you're in the downs, there can there's only up to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a cliche thing that everybody says, but there's always hope that things can get better. You never know what could happen tomorrow or a year from now. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah, I'm on all the social medias at RebeccaStewart.co. Um, and I can, I think I gave yeah, you Yeah, I'll put those all um, in the show notes. Perfect. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm much more active on uh, TikTok, but I'm trying to get into the YouTube space. I have some plans. It hasn't happened yet, but we'll see. <laughs> it's so much work. That's why like we're recording this video. Will I ever do anything with it? Probably not because it's so much work. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It really is. So I I don't blame you at all. Thank you for sharing yeah. the middle with me today. I really appreciate it. And um, for sharing and being vulnerable. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing this because it's, um, I told you by DM a while back, I was going through a really tough time this summer mm-hmm. and listening to one of your episodes, I don't remember who was on it, but it was an episode about grief mm-hmm. and that really helped me in that period of time that I was in. So I thank you for starting this and doing what you're doing because it's making a difference. Oh, thank you. I needed to hear that today too. Thanks for sharing the middle with me. As always, I hope you've been able to see a little bit of yourself and the story we shared today. Don't forget to follow, share, rate, review, and follow me on social media at Lacey Shares. You can always check out the Joyful Support Movement at joyfulsupportmovement.com and see all of the amazing goodness we have there, like No Shame in the Home Game, Pops of Joy, courses, resources, and of course, the Joyful Support Village. All right, now go out there and spread some joy.